All the major news stories made simple and easy for your listening pleasure. We'll break it down for you in keywords for the segment. We're joined by Adam. Good morning. Good morning, Lena. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. <laughs> Don't you just love it? You know, it's exciting. It's, and it's nice to have something to be excited about throughout the week. Yeah, but it's going to be, you know... Hot? Staying hot and staying at home with the air conditioning on, as usual, over the past uh, couple of weeks. <laughs> and I think I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I heard that in the, there was Incheon and parts of the country where they saw some blackouts. I'm just right. so grateful that hasn't affected my neighborhood yet. Neither mine. And hopefully, right. fingers crossed, touch wood, See? it doesn't. <laughs> suddenly, suddenly, you, you uh, yeah. shift your perspectives a little bit. Yeah. And you're, you're grateful. I'm grateful. Aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Sufficient power supply is always something to be grateful about. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to jump into our keyword news portion this uh, Friday morning to take a look at some of the major headlines and hopefully clarify some of these stories for you. This is our first pick of the day. Utilizing budgets. So President Moon Jae-in is urging his government to quickly provide financial support for those hit hardest by the pandemic, namely small business owners mm-hmm. that seems to need immediate relief. So what did he have to say? Yeah, he said the government needs to play a proactive role in supporting people's livelihoods through active fiscal measures and financial support. And he made the remark during a meeting with uh, economy-related ministers. He's pressuring them to kind of get things done quickly. Uh, he noted that the supplementary budget has has been increased from 33 trillion won to 34.9 trillion and financial support for those affected by the pandemic has been expanded and he stressed that now it's all about speed and that the government should prioritize support for small business owners mm. especially during this level 4 lockdown as well mm-hmm. uh, in October the government is going to launch a committee on compensation for small business owners for the losses that they have endured because of covid-19 uh, before that there'll be cash payments distributed to them from August 17th. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that. A lot of small business owners saying it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Moon also asked his ministers to help young Koreans find jobs and to prepare them for future career opportunities. There's been a lot of unemployment lately as well. A lot of people losing their jobs as well. Mm. Uh, To prevent the widening of economic disparities, the government will work on long-term policies to help people on low incomes. Mm -hmm. Uh, That includes financial products for people with poor credit and those who've not been able to pay their debts because of the economic impact of the pandemic. Uh, Korea is suffering from uh, high household debt uh, mm-hmm. figures mm-hmm. at the moment. So a lot of people are in debt and especially during the pandemic, they don't really have any way to pay off their arrears. So help, whether it's small or big, is scheduled, it seems. Yes. All right. On to our second keyword of the day. Student infections. So there's also been a sharp increase in infections among school students recently. And this is especially concerning as schools look to bring back in-person classes in the fall. The education ministry was pretty adamant about that. Mm. So what's the latest? Yeah, kind of this whole situation kind of brings that plan of in-person classes. Uh, it's a bit of a uh, it's a bit awkward at the moment to see mm. if that will actually happen or not. Sure. Uh, in the past week, there was a daily average of 126 students uh, contracting COVID-19. That brings a total of 884 students infected from the 22nd to the 28th of this month. Uh, There were also 105 cases among school staff during the same period. Uh, And schools in the capital region at the moment are on summer break. 
students were undergoing remote learning from the 14th, but the government plans to bring back these in-person classes for the fall semester. They mm-hmm. seem pretty adamant on that, mm. but it remains to be seen if that plan will be realised, mm. especially with this increase in students and teacher infections. Right. Uh, Education Minister Yoon Hae, uh, she will be meeting with infectious disease experts later today, in fact, to get advice on how to go about the second semester. Right. Uh, and after that, her ministry will collect opinions from education-related bodies and schools. So there's a lot of discussions and talks and planning going ahead mm-hmm. to see if it is safe. Uh, for this in-person classes to uh, start uh, during the fall. There's been a lot of backlash from parents, uh, a lot of them opposed to the idea of in-person classes. Uh, citing safety re- uh, reasons, right. but also there are, I'm sure, a fair share of parents that yeah. are you know, kind of divided because they yeah. also need to work and make ends meet, and yeah. it makes it really difficult if their very young children, for yeah. example, are trying to take online classes. That's right. It is very split at the moment, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, one thing for sure mm-hmm. is that these remote learnings they have had some drawbacks uh, right. the, the learning education disparities and uh, right. in-person classes are pretty much proven to be the most effective way of education at the moment and mm. we've seen that uh, with this virtual stuff and the pandemic uh, a lot of people you know mm. how much can you really pay attention to uh, a class when you're in your in the On comfort home? of your bedroom you know how difficult it is for us to do script writing at home <laughs> it, it's it's almost yeah. as if my brain turns into mush and I can't concentrate there's just right. way too many distractions and we're yeah. full grown adults uh, exactly we're paid to do this <laughs> so to expect that from our children is wildly unrealistic yeah And as you've said, we keep going back to that disparity in the level of education. What do children need to learn at each given age? It's not just about the material, right? That's why I come in here, I come into the building to write the (laughs) script for the show. There you go, there you go. So there is a lot of weighing out to do, and hopefully the education ministry will have a guidance. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So what to do for the fall semester. Yes. Moving on to our third keyword of the day. Booster shots. Now, there's been some debate over the need for booster shots, but when to implement it is still questionable. Where to allocate it is important, too. So Mm -hmm. discussions is dragging on in the U.S. and EU, but Israel says it will provide them to the country's elderly to make sure the most vulnerable group is thoroughly covered. Yes, uh, this covers uh, Israelis aged 60 and over. They'll be able to receive a third COVID-19 jab from Sunday, so uh, very close, provided, though, that Mm -hmm. five months have passed since they received their second dose. And Mm -hmm. since Israel was one of the first countries to have this mass vaccination drive, uh, many of the elderly population uh, are near that five-month mark at the moment. Uh, The country's new president, Isaac Herzog, uh, will be the first, actually, to get the booster on Friday. So he'll be getting it a little bit early. Uh, This will make Israel the first country, in fact, to introduce a booster shot on a wide scale. Mm. Uh, Israel took the decision on Thursday after a team of health experts advising the government gave the green light in an effort to curb the spread of the Delta variant, which is a a global concern at the moment. Uh, So far, Israelis have been given only the Pfizer vaccine, but it is not yet clear if the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine will be used for the booster shots. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Prime Minister, uh, Naftali uh, Bennett, noted that similarities of the flu uh, vaccine uh, which needs to be renewed from time right. to time. So right. that's one one of the one was one of the main reasons uh, for the country to kind of promote these booster shots. But uh, other countries also agree on.
on that ground, right? right? It's just as to when is the most appropriate time to use this booster yeah, shot. That's right. Uh, the decision does come at a time of rising infections as well and signs that the vaccine's efficacy dwindles over right. time as well, something we uh, touched upon uh, yesterday. Uh, neither the US nor the EU have approved coronavirus uh, booster shots. They're still in discussions. There's still a lot of uh, data that is lacking at the moment. It's not yet proven if a third dose actually helps. And if mm. so, who needs one and when? Uh, those questions still remain unanswered. Uh, Bennett said that the expert advisers had agreed overwhelmingly, though, by a 56 to 1 margin that it did make sense to launch the booster campaign. All right. And he said the recommendation was made after considerable research and analysis and that its information would be shared around the world as well. And maybe that could be providing some guidance right. to other countries who are probably going to take similar routes mm. just to when and how to do it. That's right. On to our fourth keyword of the day. 10,000 plus cases. Japan has confirmed more than 10,000 daily coronavirus cases for the first time. Now, this comes as the Olympics is in full swing. So as you can imagine, concerning. Mm. What's the latest? Yeah, the nationwide record is fueled by a surge of infections in Tokyo and surrounding areas. It is concentrated in that uh, region. Mm. Uh, Tokyo's case count uh, topped 3,800 on Thursday, continuing a record-breaking upward trend. Uh, that spike has the central government looking to expand the current emergency declaration to include four more prefectures, namely Saitama, Chiba, Kanagawa and Osaka. Mm. That's where a majority of Olympic events are being held as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the country's fourth state of emergency is currently active in Tokyo and Okinawa until August 22nd. Four other prefectures have less restrictive so-called quasi-emergency measures in place. Uh, the Prime Minister Yoshihiro Suga is expected to make an announcement later today. Uh, the current and fresh states of emergency will likely be in place from Monday through August 31st. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been growing calls as well for the Olympics to be suspended amid this rising number of cases, but uh, Suga is standing his ground. He rejected the idea. He said the Games should not be made a scapegoat for the ongoing surge. Um, mm. But uh, there has been a lot of pressure on Suga. His uh, approval ratings are dropping very rapidly. Uh, right, right. Not at the best time as well, because there's an October election. Uh, election coming up. An so. important one. And, and to be honest with you, the Olympics was supposed to swing it in the other direction, not right. this way. So it was a very risky move indeed. All right. On to our fifth keyword of the day. EV investment. So Korean firms are looking to expand their investments in electric vehicle batteries because it is the future. This is in line with President Moon's goal of fostering Korea to be an EV powerhouse with hefty tax breaks, from what I understand, offered in the field. So what plans are being made? Right. So Hyundai Motor and the uh, Korean battery manufacturer LG Energy Solution, they're joining forces to establish a $1.1 billion electric vehicle battery plant in Indonesia, which happens to be quite a promising EV market. Uh, The two firms signed an MOU with the Indonesian government to build the plant on a 330,000 square meter plot of land in Karawang, which Mm -hmm. is near the capital Jakarta. Uh, The companies will each own half of the venture, so it's an equal split. Uh, The plant would produce 10 gigawatt hours worth of NCMA uh, lithium ion battery cells Mm -hmm. annually. Uh, NCMA basically stands for nickel, cobalt, magnesium, uh, manganese rather, and Mm -hmm. aluminium. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's enough for 150,000 electricity 
electric vehicles. Uh, the firm said construction will start in the fir- fourth quarter of this year and will be completed by the first half of 2023. Mm-hmm. The factory will begin mass producing the battery cells in the first half of the following year, so 2024. Right. Now, the battery cells produced there will be used in Hyundai Motor and Kia models. Uh, a Hyundai car factory is actually also being uh, constructed nearby as well, so it's a bit convenient. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hyundai Motor Group uh, aims to expand its EV lineup to more than 23 models and sell 1 million EVs to the global market annually uh, from 2025. And certainly this plant and that car plant as well mm. will certainly help in reaching that goal. So slowly but surely pushing out fossil fuel. Right. On to our last keyword of the day. Returning Yongsan base. A portion of it. The (laughs) U.S. has agreed to return about a quarter of the Yongsan garrison by next year. So what's the latest on them? Yeah, that quarter adds up to about 500,000 square meters of land. Mm. Uh, So it is quite a hefty bit of land. Sure. Uh, But I think Korea was expecting a bigger chunk of land to, you know, uh, make a park and these community facilities, right? That's right. Uh, Although U.S. forces have been relocating from uh, Yongsan to Pyeongtaek for years, this was actually a specific uh, first time for a specific deadline for this uh, parcel return Mm. of land uh, to be announced. Now, the return site is expected to be from the garrison's southern section, known as the South Post, which houses schools, sports fields and officer housing. Uh, The South Korea-US Combined Forces Command and other facilities still occupy the base's northern main post. Uh, The complete return of the Yongsan base could actually take years uh, as the CFC headquarters needs to be relocated to uh, Pyeongtaek, which is slated for next year. Okay. Uh, once the Yongsan base is returned, Seoul plans to turn the land into a national park by the year 2027. Mm. Uh, there are actually 12 USFK bases that are yet to be returned to Korea, including the bulk of that uh, Yongsan garrison. Uh, the Seoul and Washington are still narrowing their differences over the terms for returning the remaining 12, such as cleaning up any environmental contamination at the sites. There's still a, a lot of sticking points about that, uh, mm. hence why uh, not just because of the CFC headquarters being relocated, but right. those narrow, uh, narrowing of differences and still some disagreements over this environmental issue, this contamination issue. Who's going to clean up? It takes time. Yeah, being a hurdle for the, the rest of the Yongsan garrison to be handed over uh, to Seoul. All right, so we'll put a pin in that park plan. Yeah. Well, the, the aim is 2027 anyhow. Right, uh, 500,000 square meters still a big chunk of land, so, you know. <laughs> get started there. Yeah, get started there in, in phases. Yeah. All right, we'll make the request to the government. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Adam, for a week's worth of coverage. Have a safe weekend. You too. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.